Peace and blessings, family. It is the goddess behind the gab. It is your girl, them chakras. The same one who aligns her chakras and twerks something at the same damn time. The one who is saging her home to trap music. The same one who loves who you are. The same one reminding you to be who you be unapologetically. The same one who likes you and loves you. If no one has told you today, let me be the first to say that I like you and I love you. And overall, I want to hear from you. So please, please send your emails to chr. R-B-R-I-A-N-A at gmail.com so that we can share stories. We can share moments. You can ask questions. We can get you into alignment. Please make sure that you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Demchakras, D-E-M-C-H-A-K-R-A-S, so that we can continue the conversation from here. And let's make sure that we are in a positive space. So let's receive the message that is coming your way with all the positive intent, if that is okay. So let's breathe in. Let's breathe out and let's get into the episode. Peace and blessings, family. It is episode seven of Dim Chakras, and we are here with our very first guest, a forever friend, somebody who knows I will knock all this shit over him, point blank, period. Mr. CEO Hayes, how are you, sir? What up, what up, what up, what up? It's CEO Hayes in the building. Wait, 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 wait. Do I get to be... Haze, Haze, or do you want Awakened Soul Haze? Which Haze do you want today? I need a little bit of both. All right, bet. Okay, fair. Fair, that's fair. So before we go any further, I mean, you're the first person who gets the icebreaker, but um, basically the icebreaker is first a mental health check-in. So we can't go any further in the interview until we figure out where you are mentally, because if you're not in a proper place, then we cannot proceed. So how are you? I'm fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm good. Honestly, uh, all jokes aside, to be serious, I am in a great place mentally. I um, professionally, um, extracurricularly, uh, my ventures are all doing good. My podcasts are doing great. Top one fifty, we okay, killing it. Okay, okay, um, that's right. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm just when I really take a step back and uh, for me. Um, it's hard. It's easy for me to sometimes to not step back and appreciate kind of everything that we. I'm really bad on the celebration of accomplishments part. I'm all about the doing the actual accomplishments, but I don't slow down to um celebrate them enough. And you know, I had to really step back and look at like, damn, like what what we've built with the Breaks Media in seven months has been amazing. What I've done with the Awakened Soul in almost two years amazing like everything is just great so you feel good now outside of you being a podcaster you as you an individual how are you oh i'm great okay cordero is good that's who i care about which is the second part of the icebreaker i always say who you be and who you be is a grammatically incorrect way to describe yourself Mm -hmm. but here in this room in this castle we deal with the eternal and internal parts of who we are. So you got to provide us with some big dick energy so that that haze that we get all the time, you have to let us know as Cordero, who you be. Hmm. A visionary, um, a intellectual, Mm -hmm. um, an asshole Mm -hmm. and someone who, if I support you, I support you. 
through thick and thin. I don't give a damn if me and you are finna fight a damn well. I'm beating the shit out that well. Um, but if I don't give a fuck about you, I wouldn't push a fire off you. But I, I'm protective and I and I am loving to those who I let in my circle. But you gotta go through some shit to get in my circle to really, really get in. So that's who I be. Respect. That's right. That's right. Who you be? Who you be? I love it. I love it. I love it. One eight hundred. Choke that hoe. But no. Oh God. <laughs> no. Um. So the last question to the icebreaker. You can either answer this question, or if you are not really all that spiritually in tune, we can definitely go with the alternative here. Um. What ancestor or spirit guide do you feel has been with you for the past sixty days? Like there. Our ancestors are always with us. Our spirit guides are always with us. But what ancestor or spirit guide do you feel like has really been watching over you and checking that ass for like the past 60 years? So it's interesting, right? Because um, my grandmother passed away. God, it's been like 15 years at this point. And I would, if you ask me that question any other time, it will always be her. She's always on my spirit. Um, Shout out to Helen Lee Johnson. Uh, my daughter's name, my daughter's middle name's named after her, and I just feel like, honestly, my grandmother's spirit is over everything I do, and I see her face constantly all the time. Um, but lately, if we're just focusing on the last sixty days, honestly, I think it's been my grandfather, her husband, um, John Milford Johnson the second. Um, he, uh, and I would say that him over specifically the last sixty days because. Um, he was sick, so he had uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, however you pronounce it. Um, he had that basically from the time I was like six years old, so the majority of my life. So I didn't really get to know the well version of him too much, but like people always say, you stand, you look like your grandfather, you make his faces X, Y, Z. And I swear there was a moment that I was like going into depression, which I'm bad, which I battle with. Um, one day I was sitting sit, laying on the couch and I swear to God, I heard his voice say, boy, get up. And I feel like my grandparents really are my spiritual guides overall. But he to me is like, I feel like I really live under his shadow, so to say. And many of the things that he said that that kind of come back, take pl- that they, they they carry weight in my life now and to hear his voice. A, the fact that I could recognize the ass's voice when he was non-sick. Because my, my first memory, one of my first memories ever, just in life, not even with him, is him lifting me up, spinning me around, and saying my name. So I have his voice engraved in my brain. And so when I heard, boy, get up. <laughs> like, don't stop. You can't stop now. That That's 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 really helped lift me back up. So, yeah, my, my grandfather definitely. I'm sorry I gave a long-winded answer. No, please. no, no. That's that's perfect. That's what we're here for. This is it's a safe space. This is a safe space. We have these type of conversations. I think that that's, that's dope. I think that especially with elders, um, when it comes to our grandparents, they are somebody that we hold to such a high regard. Like my grandmother died before I was born. So even in the moments where she's speaking to me, it's like, I know that that's her. I know that she is rocking with me. She's making sure that I'm good. And we hold them on such like a, almost like a pedestal in our life. That is just, it's just like, it's mad respect. And it's just like when they say something, it we have no choice. You you disrespect your parents all the time, but it's like you never disrespect your grandparents. <laughs> exactly. Gotta follow exactly. the suit. Um, but so I thank you for that. That is our icebreaker. If nobody has told you today, Mr. Hayes, I like you and I love you. I think and you told me that earlier today, so I'm good. I'm covered. 
good, good, good. <laughs> I, I want to get into the discussion. So basically what happened was Mr. Hayes on that Twitter of his, when he's not being Hayes, um, he made a, he tweeted a couple of days ago and the tweet was, why is it that so often men judge a woman's love by how much bullshit they'll deal with? We got to do better, Kings. And I would I would have commented and I wanted to comment, but I probably would have been tweeting for like five or six threads. Like it would have <laughs> been a minute because it's such a layered question. And when yeah. I first wrote out even like the synopsis to this, I was just like, all right, well, we can talk about a carried man. But instead of necessarily talking about a carried man, I think there's a disconnect or like a miscommunication between people, not just black men and women, but that's more so what we talk about Um I think there's a disconnect. So I'm really big on trying to fuse things back together and to figure out how things equate. So before we get into the discussion, can you kind of elaborate on the tweet? Not even necessarily like the origin of it, but like, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you care to share that, what what prompted this and what's your take on what you posted? So I think that like people, people have asked that, like, where did that start from? And honestly, like my tweets very much unless i'm like promoting something or being silly or honestly just stream of thoughts so like it's a direct highway into my brain and it was literally i was sitting around i don't know if it like something triggered it on tv or whatever but it was just a thought that came to my brain and i was like you know what let's put this out in the universe it's on my brain for a reason um and i think that you know to kind of delve deeper into it is that I th- so many men will say well, I know she loves me because X, Y, Z happened. And it'd be some bullshit. Like, it's different if you say, like, I know she loved me. I lost my job. She never made me feel like less of a man than this. But it's different when you're like, oh, I know she loves me because I remember the time she caught me texting some bit. Like, why do we have to put women through that? Why Why is it that uh, we try to whittle down our women to just how they deal with the shit that we put them through? And I get it. Yes, it does show the strength of the woman because we all know the strength of the woman is amazing. But at the same time, like, why, why is it that it feels like so many people, it seems like, and I can't judge anybody else's relationship, but it seems like they only know that a woman loves them after some bullshit. And that's stupid. That's stupid. No, that's 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 definitely a fair statement. Um, I know that you stated that even in you speaking, um, when you tried to define bullshit, you defined it as like catching him, you know, texting another girl. What are some other means of bullshit that either you've come across, you've done yourself as a man, uh-huh. and, um, or conversations that you've had to have with your friends like, oh, you on that bullshit. What, what can you define? I guess like the top three common means of bullshit that men may put women through. I think that a lot of times men think that a woman loves them because they stuck with them while they sold their oats. And it's like, nah, that's bullshit. Or they stayed with them when they didn't have drive, when they didn't like to me, it's like if you yes, you should expect your spouse to help lift you up uh, or your partner to help lift you up. If you're down, that's your friends, family, whatever you should you should be able to trust them to do that. But again, that shouldn't be what tells you. You should already know they love you before you get to that point. And I think that for so often women it, it, I, I think this is how the saying goes, but this is how I'm going to word it now. So we'll take it for this. Um, I feel like women feel like will know that a man loves them by when they, by when the woman's at their best. Mm-hmm. And men judge a woman's love based off how down they are for them when they're at their worst. 
Okay. And it's like, why do why why do why do you why do you have to be be at your worst to feel like your partner loves you or to feel like that that's what tested. Like yeah. it shouldn't be that because like so you mean to tell me if dark times never came, you just were taking that person for granted. Um and I think like that's bullshit. Um the physical violence shit, bullshit. The um being drunk high all the time. Bullshit. That's not something that you need to wait to feel like your partner cares for you. That's just my opinion on it. I I definitely can agree with that. Those are some uh that's some bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so I kind of want to start from the conditioning of males and females. And the reason why I say males and females is because at a certain point in your life, you go from just identifying as a male or a female to the point where you become a man or a woman. And then in my spiritual experiences, you go from being a man or a woman to a queen or a king and then a god or a goddess. So in those moments where a male and a female, I want to kind of start there and kind of work our way up to when you when you get to a certain point and then I'm really big on we can talk about the problem all day long, but if we don't offer a resolution, then really it's just talk. So let's talk about the conflict, figure out what the conflict actually is. And then you and I together as a team discuss what can be done in order to not necessarily resolve it so that it's cured, but resolve it so that it doesn't happen as often. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. So um, we as women are conditioned at a young age to aspire to partnership. Um, we're taught certain behaviors and given almost like a syllabus on how to conduct ourselves in order to appeal to a man. What is the foundation a male is gifted in order to prepare him for partner material? And is he ever taught how to prepare for a wife outside of the role of a provider? I don't think so. I think and I think that's where we go wrong so much is that on both sides, no one's taught how to be a husband. No one's taught how to be a wife like we are taught that we should uh, aspire to those positions or that we should eventually get there. But once we're there or even the road to how to get there, we're not given those tools. We're kind of forced to like figure it out on our own or like for many of us, we define love based off how we saw our parents love. Mm-hmm. Or, or give love and then because so many of us come from dysfunctional homes or don't have both parents in the home we miss out on that and and no one really gives us that blueprint it, it, and I, I can honestly say that I think that it's almost harder for women because yes you guys are taught like it, it, to like how many times have you heard and your, your family may be different but for the women that are listening have you been Ask like, oh, you'll never find a husband acting like that. No, no one tells a, no one tells a man that. No one t- says you will never find a wife acting like that because we're kind of ingrained to, as the leader, you you'll find a wife like you yep. they'll, they'll come like she'll come to you or whatever. And we're not taught of no. You need to learn how to give into your 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 spouse or your significant other. You 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 need to learn how to truly lead. And that's that's where I think a lot of it goes wrong is that men are, are told that they're supposed to be this leader ahead of household position. And then a lot of them take that as meaning, well then the people underneath me need to do what I say. And that's not real exactly. leadership. To be to be a true leader, you need to learn how to serve as well as to lead. There's never been a great leader who who doesn't know how to be a servant as well as a leader. But we're not taught that. That's something that you kind of have to. And that's where you f- you see the conflict at, and you bump heads. And maybe fine the first couple of years, but five years in, you guys are bumping heads. And you know why? It's because you never slowed down to really learn to be a servant. Because in your mind, you're thinking to be head of household, this is what I have to do. And not all of us are giving a, a proper example of that. 
No, I think that that's definitely fair. And that's something that um, was was kind of at the forefront when I when I started to think about the basis of this conversation is when I thought about it, I thought of it at a very um, like a mild level. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that is completely looked over almost. But I've noticed that like as young girls, we're given like dolls and a kitchen set and things of that nature. And we're prepped for certain parts of life, like child care or child rearing and cooking and even cleaning. They give us little like cleaning sets. Men or males aren't gifted those, even those small things. It's like an expectation almost. And I remember as a little girl, my grandmother, my great grandmother telling me like, um, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So you need to learn how to cook this. Or even in certain things that I was wearing. I was a real big tomboy back then. Like you, you ain't never going, you know, like ain't no boy ever going to be looking at you with your, your straight backs and your long t-shirts. It's like, I don't give a fuck about that nigga. Like be over there. I'm, that's not what I'm, I'm worried about. I feel like, like for instance, my son has a doll and my dad doesn't really have a problem with it. My mom doesn't really have a problem with it. But my uncle who is just like alpha male has this problem. He's like, why, well, why the fuck is he playing with a doll? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, one day he might want to be a father. Like, I mean, he dropped the baby on his head every day. I'm always babysitting. It's, it's those moments. It's the small things that I, I want to push his imagination, though, because I want him to to have a different foundation than what I was gifted. My brother says the same thing. My father says the same thing. Until there's a, a change in the, the starting behaviors, it, it's never going to there's never we're never going to experience a difference. So even in those small moments, I think of even at a mild level, if we kind of change the narrative from the beginning, like with with our children during those rearing times and when they're so malleable where we can kind of like mold them into being the human beings that we aspire for them to be because we want them to be better than us i think that it also starts there i i agree with you though we're not really taught how to be a husband or a wife we're not even really taught how to be a partner we're taught how to form a habit oh yeah like, that's a great way you know? to explain it yeah it's like it's tradition it's tradition that a woman is to do this it's tradition that a male is you know a man is to do that so if he ain't paying all the bills or you know if if she ain't cooking every night then she's not holding up her role or he's not holding up his role and it's like well that ain't necessarily true because like you said it's also to serve but if you think of a relationship you think of a partnership and if it's one-sided then like how how we supposed to make this really work how we both supposed to benefit well and the, the big and something that you touched on there um is that one of the biggest travesties that I think we do with children, or at least that, at least our generation, is that we're, we're taught as kids, oh, have this imagination, have this imagination. The moment we turn like 13, 14, stop having an imagination. Mm-hmm. Go, You go to school this time. This is your class. You go to this. You take these electives. You do this. Plan out college. What, what you're going to do with your career. And that for so long, and that... For so long, we were take that imagination was immediately taken. That was like our passageway into adulthood. We need that imagination. Imagination, and for me, it was a metabolism card. Give me that shit. So now you now you're fat and you have no uh, you have no no way of thinking on your own. Um, but then it's like that's why you see like so many of us. And for me, like I I go so hard into my creative lane is because for so long in my career it was X Y Z. I go to work this time. I make this amount of money. I support my family this way. I do this with the kids and it would, we fall into these routines and we forget about our passions. We forget about things that we truly care about. And we forget about that, 
that that little that little glimmer of imagination that makes you think something that doesn't seem like it'll work. Oh no, I'm gonna make it work. Like, and that's why you know so many of us once we do start having kids, we we kind of get that flame back into us through our children. We get to play, we get to build forts. But the thing is, is that now what we do creatively, what we do, what you do with best friends talking shit and them chakras, what I do with the awakened soul, what I do with the way I craft audio and videos, it's like we're starting to get that. We're 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 the generation who I think is going to foster in our children even as teens and young adults keep that imagination bug make your own lane if you if you don't want to work this nine to five job make a job yourself like and we're, we're starting to get that back and i think that also is why some of our relationships end up the, the flame end up burning out because we forget how to use our imagination to keep that relationship going to to keep like we get into that routine we come home we have date night xyz night we go eat out to eat we go see a movie where where, where is the hey let's go randomly pitch a damn tent in in, right. in the park somewhere like so that imagination i think is something as adults that that they try to take away from us or that we lose ourselves just by falling into the routine of adulthood but you have to bring that back into you because that's what will will light that flame when nothing else is going on. So I'm sorry, a long winded. No, no beginning, you're but. fine. No, you're perfectly fine. I it's it's odd that you say that because I was raised differently in a matter of habit. So like the habit was definitely there. First of all, disclaimer: I've said it before. My father's been married three times. Okay, so I've watched this man love three different women three different ways. But the one thing that he never lost was his creativity when it came to loving these women. It would be some of the craziest shit that I've ever seen. Like the way that he proposed to my, I call her my stepmother, but I, well, I call her my mama, but she's my stepmother. Um, the way that he proposed to her creative and it wasn't like above and beyond, but it, I, we weren't expecting it. They got married in the backyard. They invited everybody over to brunch one new year's day. And it was like, we were like almost 120 people deep in this two story house. And then they were like, everybody go in the backyard. And then my cousin was outside in a robe and they were getting married in church suits. It was, it, it's, it's shit like that. And my, my family was so fucking mad, but they don't, they don't understand how my dad operates. They don't understand how my family operates a lot of the time. My grandfather is really creative. So I think that it's kind of embedded in me, which I feel like is kind of the reason why sometimes when I get into relationships or even situationships, and we'll talk about that, um, how sometimes it's too much for people because they've never experienced that, that it makes them uncomfortable. I don't want to just go out to dinner. We have something called a rage room here in Baltimore. I'm like, let's go to a rage room. They're like, what the fuck is that? We're going to go in there. We're going to put on these outfits and we're going to break shit. We get ready to let out all this frustration. We get ready to take these baseball bats and we get ready to fuck this. Like, we need outlets as adults and we're so, and especially as black people, like now we're starting to understand the importance of mental health but we for so long had to repress everything like we like if you said that you were going to see a psychologist people thought something was wrong with you no there's something right with you if you if you yep. realize that you need to go see a psychologist like in a rage that sounds amazing like go and break some shit like I, I you know i've had a habit of over the course of my life of breaking some shit that i don't need to be breaking so there's a room where i can go and specifically break some shit to get to get the rage out i may go do that it's the most fun. You get to throw shit against the wall. It's so much. You get to scream. And don't nobody come in there and stop you. You just be in there doing shit. And See. nobody stops you. It's so much fun. I went glass blowing probably like two months ago. I ain't never blown glass a damn in my life. I had I almost died from all the fucking heat. But it was a really good time. Like it's it's though sometimes you just gotta take a break from life and just enjoy it. And I think that there's a, a disconnect 
especially within our culture, which is something that I wanted to ask you. Do you feel like it's different for black people when it comes to love? Like Ooh. or partnership? Listen. Is it different compared to other cultures? I have done so many guest spots on podcasts. This is by far my favorite one already. We've only been recording for like 15 minutes. Um, but um, honestly, I think that like our culture, um, we, <laughs> how do I, how do I want to say this without getting completely flamed on social media? <laughs> Fuck it. Um, black culture has so much celebrated the single mother and I understand why, um, but it's almost expected in black culture that at some point every black woman is going to be a single mother for a period of time. Yep. And you can tell that by the way, like people just like it's so rare. Like people when you say, oh, yeah, I grew up. Both of my parents were married. I was like, what? Your, ma- your parents were married the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like that reaction. And I think that it's not like that for many other cultures. But again, that, that has their positive and negatives because there's so many white women who've been stuck in marriages that end up killing people. But right. we'll, we'll get into that differently. <laughs> but um, I think that uh, in, in black culture, like we're, we're taught um, to kind of every that relationships are all temporary. Like really, that's how, if you want to w- water it down, like like everyone, not everyone, but for the most part, like especially the generation before us, it was all looked at as, oh, you're married for now, are you together for now? Like, and it was expected that at some point every man was going to get divorced, was going to be single, and everyone was going to spend some time being a single parent. That's not right. No, I, I, that is, it. <laughs> Again, how can you say it without it coming out like you just gotta say it. you just gotta yeah. pull the bandaid off. Right. It black people I, we sometimes take the light shit too serious and then the serious shit, shit too light. light. Yeah. And I don't understand if I'm going to be with the person for the rest of my life, I'm whether I go to the courthouse, no matter how I do this, even if I'm just with you for a long period of time. I think my godmother was with her boyfriend for like 25 years before he died. Like they did, they never got married. He died before they ever had a chance to, to really get married. Um, but it's that like, we don't, we look at marriage as just being like a piece of paper now. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, we went down to courthouse. We handled that. And it's just like, okay, well, what do you do from here? I mean, same shit we've been doing, you know, he just my husband now. And it's just like, well, no, like it, it becomes something different, but in situationships or in these I don't even know what to call them. It's held to such a high regard. Like there's almost an expectation, which is another question that I have. Why is it that, and I'm asking from a man's perspective because I I have my own perception of things. In a situationship, let's say there's no title at all and she is holding you down. She's making sure that you're good. She's checking in with you, all that. You respect her for doing it. But when you finally put a title on it and she's your girlfriend, now it's an expectation why i don't i can't answer that my thing is is stop having expectations like because we we start paying people more with our expectations of what their role should be rather than the person and human that's in front of us okay so let's talk about the representative because that's that i my father and i just recently had a conversation with and my father is too excited to have that conversation and i'm excited to have it with him um recently I, of course, I do motivational minutes every morning. We talked about the representative there where sometimes within the first like 90 days or even like 30 to 90 days of meeting a person, they send 
almost like a representative of themselves. So it's like you could have the potential to have all this. It's like when you get in cable for the first time, you can have all this for this <laughs> here. And then all of a sudden you get kind of wrapped up in, in the momentum of things. And then let's say all of a sudden the deal is done. Like that now there's a title to it. Now you, figuratively speaking, you call the check on your service because the fucking bill is way higher than it was. <laughs> and the person on the phone is like, oh, okay, well, the deal's over. You know, like now it's the real shit. The promotion, you, the promotional prices run its course. Exactly. <laughs> and then you want to speak to the manager. You want to speak to the motherfucker you spoke to in the beginning. He don't work there no more. This motherfucker <laughs> don't exist. And there's no way of getting in touch with him. Why is it that people just don't come off? I call it being the chief executive officer of your physical being. This is your avatar. This is who you are encompassed. And all of this is you. Like, this is who you be. This is who you are. Why can't you just get that from jump? What is the fear in just being you from the beginning? What happens with that? Because everybody feels like they have to, like, everyone has to live up to this expectation or this, um, view of what they should be and they forget to say just who they are like at the end of the day like if you try to be everything to somebody you're going to end up being nothing to yourself and that person Mm -hmm. be you and the thing that we we all i think we're getting to the place or, or certain people like they you forget that this the this what the special sauce is in is in what makes you different? What makes you you? It's not that you can fill this role. It's not that you can do this checklist. Like any, if you give someone a list and you say, "This is what I need you to do," anyone could just fill that checklist. Right. Anyone at least should be able to. If you if you have so, right mind and body, you should be able to. If that's if that's just what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But what's special is that in between the lines of that list, or how or or how what can you do to make this list your own? Like and and we we narrow people down to these attributes and then when they can't live up because you know like the book i'm reading now everyone has this mask that they put on for the public mm-hmm. and then people if you expect that mask to stay on all the time now eventually you're gonna have to take the mask out the weave got to come out mm-hmm. the tracks got to come out the teeth may come out like you, you let's just be real so <laughs> okay <laughs> no but all jokes aside like and i i feel like not only do we make people fearful to be their naked selves in front of people, and I don't mean physically naked, I mean emotionally and spiritually naked. Um, we forget to allow them to be that. And then when they finally get to that point of being that, it's like this whole like this isn't this is well, you didn't you didn't you didn't show any interest in that side of them. Right. So um yeah. I, I think it's a matter of time as well. Like if I with me, because it what? If I was to come off as who I am in the beginning, I wouldn't even have friends. It's not that I am too hard to deal with. It's just that certain things don't present themselves until they present themselves. And that's another thing, yeah. So it's like I'm you're talking to a person or you're dealing with a person and you, you vibing with them and then something goes into the disarray or it becomes like the bullshit. It all depends on the level of bullshit. The thing is, is that he wasn't supposed to come to you in the beginning and be like, listen, you know, I lost my job. He had a job when you first met him. <laughs> the didn't present itself until it presented itself. It's for you both to decide on what's too heavy for you both to deal with. I think sometimes people try to make the deciding factor on situations that involve two people on their own. Like when 
Kiara and I were talking about it on Best Friends Talking Shit at one point. Who makes the decision to walk away from the bullshit? Like, who gets to be the deciding factor to say this is too fucking much? If, unfortunately, it's for whoever gets fed up the first. Most <laughs> times is how people deal with it. And, and, and that's another thing. Like, why why, why is it like this waiting game? Like, it's like that P. Diddy meme where he's staring at the at the, yeah. the guy and the staring back. That's how people treat relationships. It's like, I'm going to keep staring at you. Whichever one of us get tired and pass out first, that's, yeah. that's going to be who wins. And, and, and it shouldn't be like that. I think that's what it is. I think that, like, my grandmother... And my grandfather, God rest his soul, they were married for a, a very decent amount of time. But in the beginning, my grandfather had a really bad drinking problem. And my grandmother would talk all the time about him having this drinking problem. Like, he drank too fucking much. He didn't got the fucking dog drunk. And jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a thing. Like, you really got to meet my family in order for it to make sense. But, like, so, quick story. My father ended up getting shot in the leg at, like, 15 in the backyard. By your mama? No. Did your mama <laughs> no. shoot him? Oh, no. okay. Um, he was taking out the trash. These guys had gotten into an argument. There was, like, some a couple shots that ensued. One guy ran around the corner and was basically like, listen, you ain't see me. My father was like, listen, I'm taking out the trash. I ain't see shit. Other dude comes around the corner. He like, where he go? He like, listen, nigga, I don't know. The guy pulled the gun out on my father. He said, listen, he went that way. <laughs> <laughs> went around the corner, came back. My father was putting the lid on the trash can. The guy who had been getting shot at was like, didn't I tell you not to tell him where I was? Boom, shot my father in the leg. My father goes in the house and explains this to my now drunk grandfather. And my grandfather says, okay. He takes him to the hospital. They bandages up his leg. My grandmother is at a Bible retreat. My grandmother comes home, or before she comes home, my grandfather tells my father, listen, you fell on the... The, the the gate back there. You ain't get shot. You fell on the gate. If anybody asked, you was back there fucking around and you tripped and you fell on the gate. When it finally came out, my grandfather was fully sober, had finally, you know, gotten his life together and things of that nature. But my grandmother had been so passive aggressive about everything that she had been holding in that she blew the fuck up. And I lied to you now, she hit him in the head with a vacuum cleaner. Wait, how do you hit somebody in the head with a vacuum? Listen, Nancy Louise Ely is one of the most thorough motherfuckers you'll ever beat in your life. Okay, she picked up the vacuum cleaner and she knocked him in the head with it. Mm-hmm. And it's that's what I'm saying. It's you. He had been an alcoholic for God knows how long, but because you were so used to the habit of being a wife, you were willing to deal with it because you you supposed to be that. You supposed to be the one who kind of deals with with shit. It finally became too much for you, and you snapped, and you hit him in the head with a vacuum cleaner. Why didn't you just walk away from this when you had the opportunity to? Why it? I don't feel like it's fair, because to me, it's like a double-edged sword. It's not necessarily fair for you to make the decision for both of you to say, listen, I'm done, but it's also not fair to you to sit in the shit and consistently suffer. Is there a way to, to deal with that? I mean, we all have our limits that of shit that we can and can't deal with, right? And I think that we we try to vilify for some someone for saying, "Look, I I just I just can't." Well, you supposed to be down like if you can't do if something starts affecting your mental health, yeah, whatever. If you can't deal with that shit, then then stop fucking dealing with it. So, um, it, so in the this is the thing in the again these situationships, people walk away from shit so fast now because. It gets to a point where you've been through things previously that it's almost like a PTSD type feel. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going down this road again. So I'm going to walk away from it 
before it becomes too much. Not realizing that a conversation might be the thing that fixes this. Like, I didn't know it was a big deal. I didn't know it was anything to you until you said something. So is it in the beginning stages of meeting a person, Would do you feel it's fair to say, like you just said, if it's fucking with your mental or if it's to the point where you feel like it's too much, but if I've only known this person for 30 days, how the fuck is it too much? I don't know you. It literally just That should be a red flag there. If it's too much in 30 days, then they, 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 nigga. Like... <laughs> If if it's thirty days and it's already too much, like extrapolate that out out across five years, you are gonna be ready to stab somebody in their throat. See, and that's how Snap get to be the lady. She put never mind. We're not gonna talk about it, but that's my show. Um, <laughs> I feel like um, understanding that more men and women become are becoming more aware of their need to have a safe place to be emotional, especially men like women we are more emotional creatures we do things based off of emotion um a lot of the time we make sound decisions off of emotions but um more so now and queen actually posted something earlier basically stating that more men need a safe space in order to be able to be them to be emotional to say what's on their mind those things um do you think that some people take advantage of the idea like some men take advantage of the fact that though more women are becoming aware that they might have to I don't want to say soften up but in those moments where we be like uh uh-uh, uh nigga like nah that's that's too much we soften up and we finally allow him to come in and be a do, do you think sometimes men knowingly just unpack all the shit like bitch you did with I think unintentionally I don't think it's always intentional sometimes it is sometimes it isn't I think that um as men we can be so unused to being able to unload like because we so used to having to hold hold it all in and don't show emotion don't show that you're hurt don't do this that once we do get that safe place to be able to unload it all that we may un, uh, unintentionally unload it and then drop it off and then be like whoo it's off my shoulders and then walk right. the hell off and now and forget the fact of okay you just left a lot for somebody else to unpack and mm-hmm. so I don't always think that it's intentional. It definitely happens. Now, the ones that do it intentionally, those are the top. And I hate using the word toxic nowadays. It's so overused. But those are the the problematic people. Those are the ones that are, that will, they're more in it for what they can get out of, of you. Like the fact that they can, they can unload on you, give it, give it for you to deal with, and then go back out and do the same shit that's going to put the same shit on them and then come back and unload it again. It needs to be an exchange, and that's where it becomes a, a partnership. Let me unload my shit on you because you may be stronger to deal with it. But let me let me take some of your shit with me right. because I'm I'm stronger. I can deal with this better, and right. then then we're both feel feel lighter, and we've both given had an exchange. And I think that, uh, but yeah, it it definitely happens, unfortunately. So with the role that is played when it comes to a man being a provider, and the man is to say. Or the man is to pay the bills and things of that nature. Let's say in this day and age, because it's becoming more of a thing, he does unload his feelings or whatever the case may be on to his partner. Or let's not call him a husband, but that man then unloads his baggage onto his wife and or I'm sorry, his partner. And then his partner unloads it on him. The exchange there would be fair. But what about in those moments where he may still be stuck in the traditional set of I can't unpack this like you 
I can't be emotional. It's not my job to be emotional. I can't do anything other than what it is that I'm already doing. I can't give you my emotions to deal with because I'm a man. Men ain't supposed to, to do that shit. Mm-hmm. And she keeps asking, baby, what's wrong? Baby, what's wrong? Baby, what's wrong? Baby, what's wrong? And he doesn't want to. What is there anything, I guess in it would be in your experiences, that a woman can do to show him that she can be his safe place? By being patient. By not but- trying to force it out of him. Okay. Because because you have to realize that some people, not only are they not used to it, but some people honestly just don't know how. Mm-hmm. And you can't, and you won't, you won't get them to learn how by saying, "Just do this. You should be able to just do this. Just right. do like." It's easy if you're more emotionally mature to say, "Well, this is all you have to do." But you have to realize that whatever you did to get through that point, whatever learning you had to go through, whatever situation you had to go through, that person may have not went through that. So you just saying. Hey, you should be able to do this. This is how it works. You have to be patient. And I think that to truly be someone's safe, safe place, you have to allow them to be them. Right. So by doing that, you, you, and it sucks because again, that's a lot of the women carrying the burden again, because of course you have to deal with someone who's not emotionally intelligent or mature enough to be able to really unload that. But unfortunately that is the plight of the black man. We don't, always know how to for me like i'm not as emotionally open as like my brother bj is bj is an an emotional and i don't mean that in a negative way but he is a very emotionally mature and he communicates his emotions very well he has no problem telling you i'm hurt right i had to get i had to it took me i'm 32 years old it probably took me every bit of 30 years to get there Mm-hmm. So it's just different plights for different people. And you have to learn, kind of have to meet your person where they are mm-hmm. and then try to help them get to a different place. Does it help for a person to develop that skill on their own? For some, okay. for some, for some, some people need the guide. Some people you need to let like it's, it's, it's the thing in leadership and management. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's this thing where some people only learn by failure. So some people you have to, you can, the, the teaching moment is in, even if you see that they're about to fail, if you try to save them from it, they'll never see that they are about to walk in a hole. So some mm-hmm. people you have to let get in that hole, unfortunately, but you have to be there to kind of lift them up in, in a non non-judgmental way to say, all right, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to help you get through this. Let's see where we went wrong at. And then you can work through it that way. So you have some people, unfortunately you have to let fall on their face. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. Um, So in the moments where a person may unintentionally be stringing someone along, so they are, we'll talk about unintentional and then intentional. Unintentionally, they're stringing this person along. There's a true fear that if they come out and be themselves, that the person that they are stringing along will omit the benefit of being there for them. When they find out that, listen, I really ain't want shit to do with you. Like on this romantic level, I ain't no. But you gifted me a safe place and I didn't want to lose that. When a person who was moving dishonest can now be honest, is it fair still for the person who was being strung along to walk away? Absolutely. The thing is you you don't owe anyone anything. Agreed. 
You, you, and that's and that, that it sounds bad to say that, but honestly, the person that you owe something to, especially if you're not like uh, married or anything, or if it's just a friendship, like there's so many different levels to this. Um, but you don't owe the the you have to you have to you owe yourself something first. Mm-hmm. You you owe it to yourself to be in a good situation. You owe it to yourself to be in a good mental place. You owe it to yourself to to just be happy. Um, and I think that you can't sacrifice that necessarily for anyone else who's not feeding back into you. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think that that's a bad thing because at the end of the day, you can't, you can't give y'all into anything and then not get anything back. Then you're going to be empty. And then that's when, again, people end up on snap. Right. So in that, I ask that more so for confirmation because my opinion is, that of the same. So I just wanted to receive that message from a male to know that two people can definitely vibe um, on the same frequency in reference to that matter. So that was just confirmation there. In your opinion, why are women so okay with being the one to carry the load? Why is it that why is it that we find it okay to deal with the bullshit? Again, because that's what they're judged on on their worth sometimes incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Incorrectly. I want to make sure that I point out that that's incorrectly, but the popular thing is is that somebody will see oh look at how much shit you do and not even necessarily the situation you're in now it'll be the situation that you're in someone else who comes in they'll be like oh you dealt with all that and they'll say oh well this is somebody who can deal with some shit and see and so again it, it's it's a lot of levels to it but i think that you have to um oh damn where was i going with this uh you you have again that's why you have to take care of you first um before anything else but yeah you you absolutely looked at as if you carry the load somebody else's it's it's like it's like seeing uh, i try to link a lot of stuff to sports it's like seeing a player who can score 30 35 points a game everybody wants that player on their team right but not not that that just because that player scored 35 points in that team doesn't mean they fit into your system They can get on your team and not be able to score a single fucking point. Exactly. So. Question. Do you think that spiritually strong women are fetishized? Absolutely. Why not? But why? Um. Because like with most things, there's something that you want to obtain from that. Okay. That somebody will see that and say that that's something that they want to obtain, not even realizing you're not even even in a mental place to handle it if you did obtain it. Exactly. And when you do have it and you're not able to maintain it and she then walks away from you, she's a bitch. Yeah. Or it's like, well, you dealt with that nigga, so why you can't deal with me? Because I don't want to, nigga. Like, because I've done it once already. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to do the shit again. So. Yeah, again, confirmation. Um, so again, we've talked about the conflict and I appreciate you for this conversation deeply. Uh, I like to offer a resolution. And in order to offer the resolution, I like to present a kind of like finish the sentence situation and then to just kind of like let you vibe from there. So however long it takes, however long it takes, if it's one word or 30 sentences, um, in order to be able to function as one, even in the hard times, i.e. the bullshit, we must what? Whew. Hmm. Hmm. We must.
I would say we have we we must give and take. I think that's like I know that's op- oversimplifying, but I think that it's a balance of give and take. Like to overcome any obstacle, especially when you're working as a team, you have to know you have to be, you have to be willing to do the shit that you know that the person who's on the team with you isn't going to do or can't do. And that means by not judging them for it, but just say, hey, again, to link it back to basketball. If I know you can't shoot a three-pointer worth shit, don't shoot it. Right. Wait till I get open and I'll <laughs> shoot the three-pointer. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that – I think that, and we have to admit our weaknesses to each other. I think that that's something that we don't do as a people is that we're so hesitant to say, look – I can't do it. I can try. You can give me 150 chances. And if I get it once, my nigga, I was lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not because it's not because of lack of trying. I got lucky. And I think that we don't give each other enough space to say, I just can't. I can't. I, 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 I I'm, this is not something I'm going to be able to do. I need you to help me get there. Or I need you to do it for me and vice versa. If you if you're in that place to say that, then take it a step further by saying, all right, thank you for doing that for me. What's something that I can do for you? I think we don't have those conversations enough, at least open and honestly, without feeling judged, without feeling like someone's coming down on you, without feeling like you're going to be judged. Like, just have that conversation. If, if my nigga, if you can't do it, let me know. Either we either we need to sign somebody else who can't do it or we need to figure something out. One of us needs to develop this three pointer, though. That's that's for sure. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I think that that is very important. Important. I think sometimes people look at reciprocation as being one-sided and we don't treat it as we should. I think that a lot of people look at ensuring that there's balance between the two um, when there should be more of an abundance. You know, you can definitely be, you, you can have the same, but if one person has a bit more than the other in different aspects, when it does get time for bullshit to come into play, you are able to kind of come from your reserve. It's like having bank accounts. So I look at it like, you know, you guys might have a shared account where that money, that that direct deposit is going in. That's all the work that you guys are putting in together. And then he might have an abundance of, if we're speaking here, financial stability, and she might overspend like a motherfucker, but he maybe isn't really good at communication and she's able to find the areas of his life in which he's able to um, better find analogies and things of that nature. So when there's an abundance in different situations, when the bullshit does come about, you can pull from those matters in order to, you know, make sure that there's no overdraft to make sure that you guys don't fall into a a deficit. So I appreciate you for that. (laughs) So before you leave, plug yourself, please. King, where can the people find you? What you got going on? All right. Listen, this is for them. I'm the first guest on this podcast. Did I hear that correct? Oh, Jesus. Oh man, I, I'm I'm glad I didn't really really like let that get in my head because I would have yeah I would have thought too much. Um, well but <laughs> I you guys can follow me at CEO Hayes at C E O H A I Z E. You can find my podcast The Awakened Soul um, at The Awakened Soul on any social media platform or if you search that into Apple Podcasts or any. Of the Breaks Media podcast, go to thebreaksmedianetwork.com. You can find the podcast, the merch, blogs. We got everything there. Just, that's that's the sweet spot right there. That's what it is. It's right there. It's Did right you there. order your shirt yet? That's what I need to know. 
it does look like a really comfortable shirt that has multiple uses. I could bleach weave. I could braid hair. I could sage my room. I could twerk in it. All right, I'm gonna order one. All right. I thought you said I. I had to. I had to catch up because I thought you said bleach weed. I'm like, why are you bleaching weed? Like, no, yeah, no, because I, I don't even wear. But you know, for anyway. Um, no, uh, family, you know that you can find me every morning for your motivational minute at Dim Chakras. I just did a name change across the board so everybody can find me at one place. It was hard, but I did it. Um, no, you can find me uh, for your motivational minute every morning on Instagram at Dim Chakras. That's D E M C H A K R A S on Twitter at Dim Chakras. Uh, you can't find me anywhere else because I don't use any other social media platform, but we can talk, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me so we can get you in line. Do you have anything else for my family here, Mr. CEO? No, I ain't got nothing. Peace, love, chicken grease, love each other. No, but seriously, I would say that, um, if I had to leave with anything is that find, call and check on the person when they come to your mind. We need to do that more. And that means if it's nothing more than a, hey, you're on my mind, want to make sure you're good, just tell you I love you, that's something that I'm trying to do more about with my family, especially if my mama gets on me anymore by not talking to her <laughs> in a week. I may, get, I may get murdered, but seriously, I think that as a people, we just need to, and not even just like, it's easy to tell your family that, but your friends. Like, even if it's somebody that you're just associated with, just say, say hey, you're on my mind. How's everything going? How's the fam? You never know what that text message can do for somebody. So that'll be my my parting words of wisdom. Well, definitely. I appreciate you for that confirmation. You shall be back because I enjoy you here in my space. This is nice. This is nice. I appreciate you, sir. Anytime, anytime. This is what I do. <laughs>